Welcome to Midlife Musings, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, rites of passage, love, relationships, our inner life, aging, death, motherhood, how we can support each other in community and what it means to be human at this time in the world. I'm Kelly Sterling and I hope you enjoy listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Today I'm talking to my very good friend and colleague Sasha Puerto who is a sexual empowerment coach but I must tell you that she's so much more than a sexual empowerment coach. She is one of the most talented women that I've worked with. She's so many gifts and um, hopefully we get to talk about all her wonderful gifts and skills and talents that she has today so you can find out more about her. Sasha, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for this beautiful introduction and thank you for having me in your space. I really appreciate it. No problem. How? Let's have a little chat about you to start off with before we get into the grist of our conversation. Um, tell us a little bit about you and how did you get your pathway, you know, a little bit about your life and how did you become, how did you get to this place in your life that you're in now? Thank you. So, I started my journey very early in life. I started uh, studying in a sanctuary when I was 12. And that that uh, made me be super passionate about self-development because the purpose of my studies were never about the upper part of spirituality, you know, the, the magical uh, aspect, which was important as well, but it was always based on self-transformation, on self-evaluation, on becoming the best version of myself. So I was very passionate about discovering myself, working on myself, um, facing and loving my shadow and archetypes, mythology, ever since I, since I started on this, on this amazing journey. But there was a part that was missing and that part was the body so eventually I got married I had children and all I felt was that no matter how many years of meditation and self-evaluation and self-discovery and working with family patterns and changing my life through all of these tools together I still felt that I was lacking control of my life that my life was just uh this this um kind of tornado without where I was totally out of balance and eventually I discovered that it was of course out of balance because I was not in touch with my body my sexuality and uh, my, my lower my, my lower aspects my lower chakras mm. and that's when I discovered that I was really dissociated from myself I was really dissociated from my pleasure. I was really feeling guilty about living in the 3D world. And that kept me in a, living in a cloud. I was really disconnected. And I think that's something that happens to so many spiritual people nowadays. Yeah. We, they disconnect from their grounded, grounded bodies. Yeah. Because we learned that they are wrong, that from the... From the heart up, it's okay to feel everything. And from the belly below, it's we shouldn't feel it. And that's mm -hmm. our animalistic aspect. And what I realized was that I was really needing to reconnect with those parts. I started doing the JDEC practice. I, start, I met um, Leila Martin and other amazing teachers in, in my journey. And what I discovered was that the wisdom that I needed was in my body all the time. My body knew. My body knew the pain that I needed to heal. My body knew the journey. I just needed to listen to my body. That's beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Thank and you. why sexual empowerment? Why have you decided to focus on that, that area? Because, well... First of all, I had a, a very unexpected Kundalini awakening mm -hmm. some years ago, even before starting this journey. 
And I felt in my mind without really knowing what a Kundalini awakening was, that it was kind of a spirit making love to me. So I realized that there was such an important aspect to sexuality and that I needed to reclaim it and to make sense of it. Mm. So when I started just allowing this inner guidance to take me in that direction, it all started with the J-Deck. Uh, yeah. After the pregnancies and C-sections that I had, uh, I started approaching the J-Deck as a way to reconnect my, with my body, to feel it again. I discovered that I started feeling really powerful for the first time in my life I started feeling really in my body really connected really aligned for the first time in my life so I discovered that in reality it is sexual empowerment what we are craving for in order to or, or what I was craving for in order to actually make sense of everything else that, that that was the one piece that was missing yeah. and that was where all the wisdom was lying mm. so true so true and the jade egg is just so magical in its capacity to bring you into that wisdom isn't it totally yeah. totally totally i discovered that even without really knowing what I was doing, because when I first started using it, I didn't know what to do. I just put it in my body uh, without really knowing about the practices that it takes to do it properly. Yeah. Even that way, I started feeling more awakened. I started feeling more luscious. I started feeling more uh, vitality in my body. And uh, small things, small, small changes start taking place when you connect to your sexuality. Yeah, but these small changes affect every area of life. It's like all of a sudden one dares to, to be torn on by life and life responds to it yeah. by creating a change when it comes to our, our desires, creating a change when it comes to our connection with people, creating a change when it comes to our self-love, when it comes to our abundance. It's like all the pieces just start actually making sense. Yeah, that's so true. Today we're going to really talk about, um, we'll talk in the intersection of our work, I guess. So I love empowering women around life transitions and using that transition as a catalyst to achieve all the things that you've just talked about and you're very focused on the sexuality empowerment side. So they're very complementary. And I guess you and I have worked with people in this space and been through it ourselves. So I guess the first area is around new mothers and then we'll talk a little bit about the midlife transition, which is so complex. One of the things that comes up time and again that we've both experience come through with people working with us is a lot of women when they go through childbirth they start to think about their sexuality or their relationship with their sexuality changes and one of my good friends who has had her third child last year or the, no, the year before she sort of laughed and said to me yeah they think about it because they've never had to think about it before and all of a sudden they have a baby and things feel really really different and the relationship with their partner is different because they feel different and then there's all this hormonal stuff going on as well. So yeah. it's such a complex area when you become a mum because we're dealing with um, our physical health, our mental health, the health of the baby. And I feel like in a lot of a lot of cultures the focus is really on the baby and the baby's health as it should be in the first 12 months but really the mother maybe six weeks postpartum has a bit of a checkup everything okay yeah good and really what's happening for a lot of new mothers is they're just like oh my god what is going on so I'm really interested in your thoughts about this and what what do you think? I, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I where do we start? <laughs> yes. I went through that and it was so intense. 
it was one of the most difficult moments of my life when it was meant to be one of the most pleasurable yeah. i realized that in truth we are so unprepared as a culture to mm. protect the mother to nourish the mother that in reality the mother gets too much um on her plate mm. and it becomes so overwhelming i really where to start from uh the disconnection from our bodies mm. the traumatic uh births that we all that we so many women have to endure because the system the health system can be so inhuman when it comes to dealing with women they can treat us so much like a problem that needs to be solved yeah and yeah. not like a, not like somebody that it's transitioning into this huge and powerful stage so starting from medics that sometimes unfortunately lack the connect the human connection and the human awareness of what another person is going on uh, through or it's going through um, and then going into the deep horrible expectations that culture has mm. about what mothers are supposed to look like and to do after a pregnancy I always joke that there is this idea that a woman uh, you, you know the magazines show us these art these performers that gave birth and 12 hours later are already posing in a bikini yeah. because they already yeah. recovered their figure and they make it all about recovering your figure and pretending that nothing happened right like yeah you never had a baby in your belly to start with yeah when in yeah. reality it takes so much time physically and emotionally uh to uh, and hormone horm hormonally to go back to that space in which you feel again like a person on your own and not like somebody that it's nurturing another yeah. life yeah. It, uh, a friend of mine taught me and i love that idea that yes we have we grow an inner placenta but we'll when the baby is born we grow an outer placenta so the baby it's oh, kind that. of nourishing from our energy yeah. for, for yeah. at least three years yeah so it is uh it is so sad to see that so many women are alone those three years yeah. but not only alone uh, while we are nourishing other people energetically but also we go under fire because all of a sudden our partners sometimes don't like us that more that much anymore because we don't we are not that sexual anymore yeah. sometimes uh our culture is pushing us to lose weight when that should be the least of our concerns in that yeah. stage uh, they are pushing us to to be productive and go back to work when we are hardly getting the handle of how to deal with a new life yeah so it's no wonder that so many women get depressed that so many women become very impatient with their children that they actually make it one of the hardest experiences in life yeah because they are not receiving the support they're not they receiving the support they're not receiving the information i read a really lovely instagram post the other day i think it was daniel four who does the ancestral trauma work and he, they have a new baby in their family and he said oh you were so intense the first three months when you were when you were dealing or becoming the outsourced nervous system of a small child and I thought, yeah. God, that's so true. And no one really explains that, which is so important because it's the basis of healthy attachment and attunement in a child, that we have to co-regulate their nervous system. And I always talk to all my clients about it who, because I do a lot of transition coaching with people coming back into work um, yeah. or just trying to cope with this. And they, they're like, oh, my God, you know, why, why did no one tell me this and it's so everyone it's something that we all want to know right because attachment's such a healthy foundation of relationships in our life forever so yeah no one tells us that that this is so important and most people when you tell them they're like oh my god and then they don't feel so overwhelmed by what's going on because they understand what they're dealing with and they start understanding you know their baby's reactions a little better no one yeah. talks to women 
before the birth about how the, the relationship they have with their yoni and how it's going to feel different and what does it actually mean and so it makes so much sense that people get so stressed because if they don't understand it themselves how the hell are they going to be able to talk to their husbands or their partners you know their wives or their partners about it when it's not a common conversation in any culture that this is something that's going to happen totally i find that so terribly heartbreaking that we are so used to the idea that our journeys kind of belong to our partner that we that we expect them to be functional for our partner's enjoyment to be pretty again to be to be functional for sex to be functional for for somebody else's idea of what functional is Mm. And we forget the fact that we need our journeys to be functional and lovable for ourselves first. And that's a hard journey. The truth is that our our journeys go through a lot of changes with pregnancy. Mm. Even when we have them through a C-section or through a vaginal uh, birth, our body changes so deeply mm. that we feel disconnected, dissociated, sometimes angry. Mm. Sometimes we deal with, with uh, incontinence. Sometimes we deal w with other with the pain of having been um, caught through because so many doctors still caught women yeah. without exploring the, the all the options first, like giving her more time and, and even just changing the position in which mm -hmm. they give birth to. So women go through a deep healing process without the, pa the patience and the tenderness and the care that they are needing. But instead, yeah. we are taking care of another life at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very vulnerable time. And let alone those that have birth trauma, because birth can bring up a lot of old trauma in our bodies that hasn't been processed as well. Um, and I am going to do a podcast with someone around birth trauma, but look, it, yeah, it's a really, really vulnerable time for a lot of women. And then, yeah, the whole sleep situation um, and the hormones together. So if you were talking to new mums where, you know, and thinking about their sexuality and they wanted just to do some things for themselves, what would you recommend to them in terms of, a place to start or some simple practices that they could do just to be in their body? What do you think might be some nice, gentle, easy things they could do at home? I think that the very first practice that needs to, to be done is a reconciliation with our Jonis. Yeah. Just looking at her, uh, so, some Joni gazing, bulba gazing. Hmm. I'm crying with her, mm. having this moment of grief with her for the loss of a stage in life, for the loss of, of a way of being or, or existing, and grieving with her for the hard process that she went through, and loving her and adoring her for the hard work that she went through. Like mm. she needs the appreciation. She needs to be held and to be supported, just like we would with, with somebody that we deeply care for. That we would just hold this person in our arms and say, hey, how was it for you? How are you feeling? What did you go through? Well, just look how beautiful you, you are, how powerful you are. Oh my gosh, I admire you so deeply for, for everything you have overcome. I think that's what our pussies need, yeah. just to start. Yeah. That, that's the very, the very first step. And so do our wombs. I think that, that it's so important to honor both parts because they both suffer and undergo a lot through that process. So it's important to honor them both and to see that they have overcome deeply, deeply intense uh, life and death journeys. Because yeah. literally that's what we go we go through the portal of life and death and we bring a life forth into yeah the world. we so do 
And even the, the practice of just talking to your yoni, which sounds really foreign to a lot of people, but even just, you know, putting your hand over your womb or putting your hand over your vulva and just checking in each day and like, hi, how are you today? And how are you going? Seems kind of strange, but trust us when we tell you these things, these little tips, it works. Totally. It makes such a difference. There is in life, in the quality of life and connection that you have with your journey, that, that is so important mm. to start creating that connection one step at a time. Like it might take some time to build trust, mm. but, but once you get to that point, it all changes because it speaks loudly to your to you. It speaks loudly about what she needs, how she needs it, what she loves, what she doesn't love. Yeah. So I really think that is the very first step ever. Uh, the second would be, of course, the, the Johnny Egg practice. That, that was the game changer for me. But even when I teach the Johnny Egg practice, I always teach that the very first step is learning how to listen to the yes and, and no. no. Yeah. Of, of the journey that's the very first step if if there is something that the jdec practice teaches people that is so valuable and if i could just leave it in that place if i had to it would be the yes and no practice because just mm -hmm. knowing when pussy says yes and honoring that yes and knowing when she says no and honoring that no it's life transforming because we are extremely used to accepting and taking in people things objects circumstances situations that we don't really want to take in yeah yeah and i think in particular at that point in your life you had so many gynecological examinations And there are many things that in your head, you know, that, you know, it makes sense and the doctor's not here to hurt you, but your body and your yoni in particular is like, I don't want this. I don't want this person checking in there. I don't want that ultrasound, you know, going in there. And so she feels very aggrieved by the process. And the more that you check in with her and listen to her, the more you can manage those appointments which let, let's face it are a necessity in our life and as we get older and you know as we age we have more intervention in terms of mammograms and things like that so it's really about starting the dialogue and the conversation and yeah the yes and no process you're absolutely right and how much it changes when you listen to her yes and to her no and understand that you're not going to force her into a yes mm. you're going to listen and to follow for me that was so interesting because my first delivery my first birth yeah i felt such a huge no with that doctor mm. he was just emotionally abusive he was just you know those kind of of gynecological violent situations in mm. which they think they are being professional but in reality they are being pretty violent and aggressive towards the body of women mm. so my body was saying no to him really no and at the end it was a very painful experience that first birth was painful in all levels and that affected many other things eventually The second pregnancy, I went to a doctor that my body immediately said yes to. Mm. She, she was like, oh my God, I love this doctor. And, and still, just because I moved to another city, but just a couple of years ago, we were still visiting that doctor. No. So it was like, that was the family doctor at the Fabulous. end because he was so loving, so kind to my body that that whole journey was healing for me. So what I learned was I, I had a very violent birth and a very loving and healing birth. And I knew that the difference was known by my body all along. My pussy knew all the time where she felt taken care of and where she didn't. And it's just that I didn't feel with the courage uh, in, my, in myself and with the support from my family to 
change doctors the first mm. time. But if I had, maybe life would have been different because the situation in which my boy was born was pretty hard for him. Mm. Yeah, it makes such a difference. I remember my first birth and I really loved my obstetrician. She was she. And it was really hard because my son was, I grow big babies. And um, it was, he it was sort of quick, only about six hours, but I got very distressed by one of the midwives and my obstetrician was astute enough and, and sent her out of the delivery room. And then once I started to relax when she left, it, it was sort of moved on from there. And um, my second son arrived in 80 minutes, start to finish. And so my obstetrician just made it in, in time. And, um, but it was a really empowered birth. Like I was really relaxed and mm. even though it was rushed because he was in a hurry to get out. <laughs> um. <laughs> Literally, the way which they are born, yeah. it's like it's such a, a, their rhythm of life, isn't it? That's their rhythm. It's such an oracle for their lives. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> And I think another thing around sexuality for new mums, I think a lot of them start to feel like that they want to make love differently or they, they have a sense that their body needs it to slow down a little bit. I would just want to encourage them to tell me what you think, like listen to your body. So if she's like, yeah, I need to slow down, I need this to be slower or I need this to be different, like listen to her because she's telling you what she needs. And so often the pat the lovemaking habits and patterns that you might have had with your partner aren't necessarily working and you're thinking, oh, what's going on? Listen to your body and she'll tell you what she needs. Yeah, and learning to make a difference in the way in which you approach your sexuality and your body it's also mm. valuable recognizing that you're needing to slow down that your your rest is also part of your, your of rest. your yeah. eroticism you're going to rest you're going to need to rest and that's okay yeah so listening to the new rhythm of your body because your body is going through something so big that it's needing a different a different timing and a different kind of movement uh and that goes and extends to the way in which you feel aroused when you're touched sometimes it just feels like it's not the time because your body's tired and it's needing rest mm. and sometimes the best kind of um of erotic wisdom that we can have is just listening to these changes without judgment and without expectations. I think that that is the big thing, that without expecting our bodies to function the way they were before, at least yeah. not immediately, yeah. and understanding yeah. that they are going to have their own healing journey and that it's okay, that it's beautiful and it's perfect. And maybe that means that they are super aroused uh, because some women are very much aroused after giving birth. Yes, uh, And some women just take longer because their bodies are taking longer because nobody feels aroused when they are recovering for from a from a um what's the name of the operation when they cut their perineum perinoscopy um episiotomy episiotomy thank you so so nobody's going to feel turned on after an episiotomy that that's just if if it's hard to feel turned on when you have a, a urinary infection imagine when you are dealing with with something that can be so painful yeah and there's thousands of nerve endings down there and it just takes a really long time to repair and sometimes it needs some massage or it needs um, some external support and there are people out there that do this work with women who are either pelvic floor or sexological body workers that can go in and do this repair work if um, you're experiencing pain or major discomfort. Okay. So, so you, you want to say one more thing? Yeah, yeah just lastly, 
normalizing not feeling sexy because that's one thing that I that I remember on myself and that I, I have heard women uh, yeah. speaking about like they don't feel sexy because they are tired sleepless they don't have time to go to the bathroom to make to to comb their hair to get that to make anything to take a shower so they don't feel sexy yeah and women the eroticism in women takes a little level of narcissism we need to feel sexy and desirable in order to get turned on so when we are not feeling desirable and sexy it's harder for us to approach that energy so just normalizing the fact that sometimes it's going to take longer to feel sexy in our bodies again and that's okay that that is also a healing journey yeah i mean i think that's good advice for any stage of life because so true you if you don't feel luscious on the inside it's hard to make things happen isn't it yeah and just listening to the natural rhythms which is a good segue into talking about midlife really because that's kind of the biggest earthquake that many people experience in their life for so many different reasons because it is so incredible in its transformational capacity it can go on for a really long time and, and, and there's no, you know, there's certain things about childbirth that we know will happen, whereas I feel like with the midlife transition, it is a mystery and it is so, like every birth experience is unique, but certainly every woman's experience through midlife is really, really unique and it's a time where, you know, our bodies are so strong and wise and they have this incredible wisdom where they want to just heal And so, you know, our psyche is like, you got to sort this stuff out that you haven't dealt with yet in terms of a lot of childhood patterning and habits of behaviour that perhaps aren't serving you particularly well. And so people start to question a lot of things. And men go through this as well, actually, this bit, you know, questioning in their life, questioning everything about it. And uh, I read and I've read many of James Hollis's books. I know you and I have spoken about it before and, he talks about, you know, it's the time in your life where you stop projecting. Well, not completely, but you stop. And so you start to see your partner for all their humanness, you know, all the good parts, all the parts that annoy you, you actually start to see them fully. But you also start to see and sense your own shadow a lot. And that can be hard to deal with, right? And that discomfort in feeling that, a lot of people really struggle to be with all their emotions and particularly the, the swampland sort of stuff. And so it takes a lot of work and a lot of practice, then let alone the physical symptoms. So some women physically go through this transition quite well. Some women have really shocking symptoms. And unfortunately, I think that menopause itself has become overly medicalized. And so there's a lot of fear around it. And a lot of women... And then the contextual layer over that is the the culture where we don't really like ageing and we certainly in the Western world don't do death particularly well. And so if we are going through all this in a cultural context of, you know, old is, older women, you know, are invisible, no one pays them any attention, um, life's going to be shit. You're going to go through this terrible transition. It's no wonder that women have a hard time. And so many women talk about losing their libido, but I know many women who've had enormous increase in their libido, but the rhythm of their desire changes for sure, as it does. So we go through this massive change in the rhythm of our eroticism and desire in motherhood, and then we go through another one yet again and again a topic that no one talks about yeah totally i think that there there is conveniently a taboo around the most painful and difficult moments in the life of women yeah it's like it's uncomfortable for society to speak about it so true (laughs) well everybody speaks about the hard times that uh, the other the the like men go through in their forties or sixties, when when we are women and we have to go through these stages, 
it becomes a taboo because people it's terrified of the witch the crone the wise woman that no longer uh, is depending on the approval of somebody else to feel beautiful and empowered yeah. uh, the sexuality of a woman that is no longer young and, and perky it, it's scary because all of a sudden we become and interestingly is interestingly they even call them cougars right like this yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think it's such a powerful uh, metaphor at the end, even when that's not the intention originally, because I really feel like female sexuality is like this big cat. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so true. <laughs> like it's gonna eat you alive, actually. Be careful. You're not... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I really feel like it's a stage into, it, it's a gate into one of the most powerful stages of women. Yeah, but we are terrified of it because it is so empowering that, of course, it is scary to those in power, those that are that are usually more privileged and and well, the patriarchy. No? Yeah. it's scary for them because all of a sudden, women that that have lost their fox at that stage. So <laughs> Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, with the patriarchy, it's all about control, right? Systems of control. And then you're dealing with a, a demographic of females who are like, you can't control me. Like, I know who I am now. I know my purpose and my meaning. And really, that's what this stage is all about, is like, why am I here? What, are, what was I put here to do? What is important to me? And stepping into your role as an elder in the community. And so... You see a lot of women go through this change and they birth like they birth a new version of themselves, but they create they also birth something generally. So a lot of you see a lot of women run very successful businesses, become very successful in their careers or pivot and make really big changes. You see um, them step into their power. And I think that's why in Asian cultures it's called se second spring, because they just become so vibrant. It is so, oh my gosh, uh, it is so important to, to talk about how we have been trained to be controlled. Our sexuality has been so scary for, for so long that, it, and with good reason, because it's one of the most powerful energies in the world, that there is such a, a, a culture that is raised to control and and quiet down female sexuality and empower women and mm. women that are speaking openly about their sexuality. I was just thinking a couple of days ago about how, you know, TikTok and even the reels in, in Facebook, like you, you are on Facebook and all of a sudden videos start popping, popping up your screen. Mm. Uh, they show these teenagers because yeah. they are mostly yeah. teenagers dancing all of them to the same songs like you can listen to the same songs in repeat even if you're scrolling trying to miss the, the video there's another one that appears almost three seconds after that yeah they are all singing the same songs they are all displaying very tiny sh uh, skirts and showing their beautiful youthful bodies and dancing and, and i was thinking wow this is such a hypocrisy by the system and it's not casual that they are showing these girls looking for their sexual identity through dancing with very few clothes and and, and in very uh, provocative poses and at the same time there are and they are promoting these videos in the profiles of picture of people of any ages like i am a 40 40-something woman, I don't need to be seeing teenagers dancing like that, but yeah. Facebook pushes those videos on my feed, and I'm sure it does with everybody, or most people, and then you see women like us speaking about sexual empowerment, and pleasure, and orgasms, and living from your pleasure, and suddenly we have to use emojis to symbolize the word sex, or the word orgasm. Or they or the delete your Instagram profile, or your Facebook page. Because all of a sudden our pages are being deleted. You see, so many of our colleagues have got their pages deleted or taken yeah. down. 
So I, I, I can see, and I was thinking about that hypocrisy, like, yeah, look at the young girl dancing uh, with few clothes, but don't you dare speaking about sexual empowerment. Yeah. So it, it's fear about women reclaiming this power because they know that once we reclaim it, we are no longer interested in the validation of others in the validation of men specifically but of others in general of the culture in general it's not that we turn against men it's that we become equals and no longer are depending on their on their appreciation and validation um it's that we all of a sudden become more ambitious and want to go further and want to see beyond and we don't get turned down uh just by being told that we're ugly or fat or you know you know all of a sudden those things no longer have power over us because mm. we we become so much more than that so that's why they are being so insistent in shutting down the voices of women that are talking about our power and pushing up those women that are just trying to figure things out and unfortunately they are going to struggle a little bit too much because they they are not having people to guide their them role models. The, yeah. Who, yeah who know their stuff who've studied who are highly educated in this area and you know have some good advice to give and so you know young girls or young boys learn off each other which is not healthy in terms of their sexuality because we're just repeating patterns of misinformation going through the system yeah many women when they go through midlife not all of them but a lot of them um get really really tired like that's really normal and i feel like you know in 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 traditional chinese medicine they say um you get three golden opportunities where you can change your patterning around your rhythms of life so at menarche when you start having your bleeding at childbirth and at menopause and I think you know this is really really poignant um and so it's almost like our body says to us you need to change what you're doing a little bit this is not really going to help you out and so part of I like to reframe this stage and say actually you know the whole menopause and terrible things are going to happen put it aside this is about you looking at you know, your second half of life and setting yourself up for a really good second half of life. And so let's get real, you know, we're aging, the body is aging. And so when you look at all the areas of your life, your emotional life, your sexuality, your nutrition and and your diet and how you eat, your exercise, we've got to change and we've got to set ourselves up for some good patterns longer term. We've got to start connecting to our body and really listening to her and what she's telling us and really get into that rhythm of our natural seasons in our cycle. Because as you were talking about before, we're so distracted by the shiny lights and the summer and the warmth that we stay in that summer season the whole time. And there's not a lot you know, in our life, in our work life, it's just on, 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 go, go, go all the time. And that's not sustainable for most humans, definitely not for women, because we have, have with these natural rhythms in our cycle where we just need to slow down and be quiet. And this is definitely true when we're going through this midlife transition and even post-menopause, you know, our body aligns with the, the cycles of the moon. And it's in our best interest in terms of connecting with our body connecting with our eroticism and our sexuality and um, listening to our body in terms of her energy and the diet what she needs to pay attention to those rhythms and listen to her messages and give her the quiet time and so a lot of women talk about their libido declining significantly and this might be due to hormones because the hormones really fluctuate a lot it is a lot of people talk about it as reverse puberty, which I think is probably true to a certain extent in terms of the hormonal changes that go on in the body and the magnitude of it. And 
So getting back to libido, I remember you told me, um, and so maybe if you can sort of explain this, a comment Minka DeVos made around our sexual energy and our jing and that we only have so much. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I thought it was really good advice. Totally. So uh, according to Chinese medicine, women have like this certain amount of energy, life force. Um, Life force for the Chinese is just this energy that changes flavors according to where it is located in our bodies yeah so uh when i refer to life force i am also talking about libido because it is sexual energy and sexual energy is just energy located in our in our lower chakras so um what the what the chinese teach is that women are born with this certain amount of life force and we bleed it out through our life we we start just using this uh, energy through our life and that's why when people don't know how to get more energy into their bodies how to keep connecting to life force they kind of feel drained eventually as they grow older they start feeling like just they are lifeless they are tired they are Mm. just uh, like like if they were drained out of energy and literally they are uh, because they don't know how to restore this this energy naturally and i have heard so many women uh speaking about their loss of libido Mm. and i think it has two origins one is of course the the energy aspect and the other is of course their approach to sexuality that has always been made to believe that it's there to serve another person and not themselves so i think that um it's so important to learn how to replenish this energy first of all where it is located uh, that it's oddly enough in the kidneys Mm -hmm. it's not even in the womb or in our vulva it's in the kidneys and then how to generate this pleasure energy and make it travel from the kidneys to our ovaries, to our womb, and all over our bodies. How to become self-sufficient energetically, in order to keep tur- to keep turning ourselves on. And if we live a turn-on life, that shows again in all aspects of life. But the thing with turn-on is that it's like a flame. You turn it on, and then it just starts growing, and mm. it starts just creating this sense of warmth all over our bodies in different aspects of our body so we we don't need to start just running down of energy self-love libido and uh, desire to keep moving and ambition that you know all the things that start happening to women when they run out of this life force yeah when we find the way to turn this energy back on by ourselves yeah and the way to do this is um of, of course, there are many ways in which women allow themselves to be turned on by life. But the way to do this uh, for me has been about, A, reclaiming my sexuality as my own. Like, it's not there to serve anybody else but me. Mm-hmm. B, the JDEC practice. Yeah. And, and self-pleasure. So these practices are like this turn on... Uh, self-pleasure not as an act of watching porn and just you know getting turned on and then leaving it out because that that is not exciting like letting your energy leave your body it's not exciting you don't want your energy to leave you you want to you want to stay juicy inside and let it be in you yeah you want it to nourish you again so that's why it's so important to learn how to self-pleasure in a way that it's nourishing for your body to to allow yourself to move through this uh, this energy through your body mm-hmm. and i know for other people it might be about having something that turns them on a passion uh, a, a, a purpose something that allows them to feel connected to life because at the end life force is sexual force yeah. and we just yeah. need to let it into our bodies and move through us and generate it by ourselves because we have that capacity yeah so true and I think the jade egg is such an amazing practice at this time for many reasons so to invite pleasure into your life 
it is a beautiful practice just in terms of the physicality of it when we're doing the specific exercises with the jade egg in the vagina and you're working those muscles in there and the nerves it brings blood flow to that area and that causes lubrication and so a lot of women experience vaginal dryness at this point in their life and that's another reason why the jade egg is such a fabulous practice so not only does it help us replenish this life force energy this sexual energy but it also helps with suppleness strength and lubrication in the vaginal canal and and also building beautiful connections with our cervix which is such a powerful portal to our sexuality um and it's something for you so again you know you talked about reclaiming your pleasure for you i mean i think that's one of the biggest things that many women have to learn because it's not something like it's actually contradictory to what the implicit messages that we receive culturally yeah all through our life uh, yeah literally the bible says something like those shall suffer sex so it's like we really learn to suffer our sexuality mm. to endure it as a marital duty to uh, and no matter how advanced we might be as a culture you still see so many women believing that up to this day yeah if it's just something that has been ingrained in our dna for thousands of years right now so of course we still believe it somehow that sexuality is about the pleasure that somebody else gives you and that you give that person that it's something that you give and take and usually as women we have it taken from us and not given to us because of course the the generous lover ideal is very new in the in the time lapse of history yeah that is a very very new idea so you it, when it comes to the evolution of our culture uh it's been at least two thousand years of learning that women are here to endure sexuality to suffer it and to uh, and i would say that even more of course like five thousand years of patriarchy but yeah we have learned in all those years that we are here to endure sexuality suffer it and be good wives and and just be there for our partners so mm. we are not told that we are here to enjoy our own body and our own pleasure and that it's not only okay but it's necessary to replenish our life force yeah Yeah, you really, you know, that concept of orgasm as nourishment is not something that we're taught. But I just think self, this, the nourishing capacity of self-pleasure, so it's not even about chasing an orgasm, but just pleasure and learning how to touch yourself and connecting with your sensuality, with your five senses, you know, in all their magnitude and be really present to your senses and connect with that really deep part of yourself in your body that your senses can take you to really think about your femininity and like what is the context that you grew up in and how is that impacted on how you feel about living in a female body yeah, and connecting to the rhythms of your life because that really impacts on your sexuality and The relationship that you have with your sexual self and i love that you mentioned that it's not about orgasm but that pleasure can be so much more yeah. i think that pleasure can be sometimes just as simple as just touching your body in a soothing way yeah or just taking a shower or a bath and taking your time or just doing an activity that gives you pleasure and just it's just the little things that we sometimes stop stop paying attention to because we are in a rush to be productive to survive yeah to be there for somebody else and we stop being there for our own selves yeah i think yeah produce 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 like being on the move all the time having to be physically moving or seeing or doing stuff all the time really disconnects us from being in 
in our, like being a human, but being in our body and feeling comfortable in our body and connecting with all the different parts of ourselves. And so that slowing down, you know, is really, really important. And I feel like that is one of the biggest lessons of this stage in life is learning to slow down and connect with your natural rhythms of your body and what she actually needs at this point. And it's funny, a a lady that I'm doing some work with at the moment who has, um, I'm learning some stuff around healthy aging. She gave me some information yesterday and I said, oh, I can't wait to learn all about it. And she said, don't rush, go slowly because when we work too fast, it affects our hormones. Yeah, totally. Uh, And that's so interesting because one of the things that we learn is to run right like we need to run to lose weight and to you know to stay healthy and in reality uh i have heard more people that are specialized in female hormones saying do not run yeah that is just going to push your cortisol up just walk just walking can be as healthy or healthier than running and just take your time and enjoy your hike and go out and see the world and just take long walks in the in the park in the morning in the afternoon whenever and i have seen that i have seen women that that are so healthy so vibrant so gorgeous in their old age that do walk um walk every day they they do long walks they do things that give them a lot of pleasure. They get together with people, which is also important because uh, we need to be to we need be, to be in community. We need to be in community to support each other through these transitions. Yeah. Uh, and those are the people that I have seen that, that stay so vibrant. They, they are doing these things. And, and of course, uh, in the case of the people that we know directly connected to the tantric world, they also have very vibrant sexual lives so it's just staying grounded in the body doing something that gives you pleasure and just keeping it moving in a way that feels soothing and health and healing and natural yeah you know um, my reconnect program that I'm running we're doing sensuality this week and I'm going to take them through some um, ecstatic dance tomorrow night and Mm. I think that you know, just letting your body move to music and listening from different parts of your body and just kind of going with whatever it wants to do can be an amazing practice for women. Totally, totally. Even dancing, how many women do we know that they love dancing and they stop dancing because they don't have somebody to dance with as they yeah. age? Or it's almost like we stop dancing... You know, we, I, I, I used to love dancing, you know, in my university years and we'd go to nightclubs and you'd dance for hours and I think that was my only fitness at that point in my life and um, something happens to us when we go through that sort of transition in our 20s where we feel like we shouldn't be dancing anymore and I guess we confuse, you know, okay, I don't want to go out dancing till three o'clock in the morning because I get too tired and I can't really recover from drinking a lot of alcohol. Yeah, okay, that's sensible, but we can still dance in our living room and, you know, we can still enjoy it. But we seem to, something in our head or in our cultural context that says don't do that anymore. It's not very, not very nice to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and... We need that. I have found that it's so necessary to keep just moving and dancing and feeling this aliveness in our body. That that's just it. That's how I would that's how I would summarize female sexuality. Just feeling alive in your body. Yeah. It's not even about sexuality so many times. Like when I work with people in my coaching practice, sometimes it takes us half of the coaching journey to actually get to the sexual practices in which they feel or touch their bodies sometimes it is 
five or six practices just of knowing their their own selves and loving their own selves and going through their own journeys of healing and understanding their lives and then when we get to the sexual aspects it's not sexual in the way which we would understand sexuality in the in the present it's not about getting sexy and touching themselves it's about just feeling and connecting with their vulva loving it uh, creating uh, orgasms just with their mind just by learning how to squeeze and relax just by yeah. learning how to breathe so oddly enough my sexuality coaching practice has very few practices that actually involve women the homework because that is usually they do on their own of self-pleasuring usually yeah. their practices are more about connection yeah and and that is the most they get from it's connecting 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 to their own bodies and their vulvas and loving it and nurturing and healing and crying with it and that's mm. the most sexual work that they do that's the most powerful do and that has uh th- that has a foundation for the rest of their lives that that totally changes their connection with life yeah oh look i agree with you and i'm very much the same And I think there's so much shame and fear around sexuality. And like you even say, oh, you know, I'm a sexuality loving relationship coach and people are like, you know, they automatically sort of freeze up because there's so much shame around that one word. And actually, you know, when I do work with people, I'm the same as you. And it is a lot of it is just about connection and breath and movement and energy and, you know, learning to talk to your body and listen to her that they're like oh oh okay you know this is very doable like it's not too much of a challenge to go through that and yeah it's a pity it's a pity that that fear is in the field around even being able to talk about I need this yeah yeah totally and at the end even the sexual practices they are so soft and nurturing like giving yourself a breast massage yeah that yeah. that's just nurturing that's kind that's even healthy we have to do that in order to learn how our body feels like when it's healthy so as to recognize when it's not uh, when we get to explore our vulvas we need to know how they feel and look like before we get to when they are healthy so that we can recognize when they are not so Mm. it's just about a health approach to this pleasure expansion oh i love that health approach yeah so true oh i've loved this conversation so much so i'm going to wrap it up now because we'll just keep talking for another three hours (laughs) (laughs) totally Sasha, um, just before you go, so you you have a jade egg program. Yeah. So I have, um, thank you for mentioning it. I have a free, yeah, um, well, no, by the, by the time the, the video comes out, it's probably out already. So I run a free jade egg program um, in, in the middle of March. Yeah. And then uh, it's going to be out as a, as a whole bigger program that is yeah. going to be yeah. called Bold Balcony. Yeah. And Bold Balcony, it's a, it's a holistic approach to sexuality that it's going to include trauma healing. Uh, it's going to include JDEC practices. It's going to include self-love, body love, and a lot of just integration of all of these aspects. So it's a it's a four-month program that includes all aspects of sexuality uh, mostly based on this taoist tradition that is okay. the jadec practice but with a lot of archetypal uh, magical storytelling and a lot of uh, life coaching practices and a lot of just exploring these these things and these parts that are keeping us from this total reclamation of who we are beautiful and Sasha is also an amazing tarot card reader I can attest because I've had a session with her so if you are interested she's very good with the tarot and she also has a specific um option so she does group readings but she does one-on-one readings and then she can also do readings around your alignment with your 
your career niche and having a conversation around that. So you can check those out. So if people want to find you, your website is, what's your address? thesexualitycoach.com mm-hmm. so um and there you can find my my work as a as a sexuality coach my work as a tarot reading reader which for me is coaching also but through the tarot yeah and yeah. my programs which are ball alchemy the jdec program and other programs that i have been running in there like what like my free program feeling safe in your body which is a, a very short uh, and the light pole program with the small practices to allow you to be grounded and to soothe your nervous system. Beautiful. And your Instagram? My Sasha. Instagram is Sasha um, uh, uh, underscore Cueto. That, yeah. That's my Instagram. Sasha yeah. underscore Cueto. Oh. Yeah. And my Facebook Beautiful. is, um, is uh, Sasha Cueto. That is just Sasha Cueto. I'll put that in the show notes so people can find it. Thank you so much, Sasha. I have loved talking to you about this. It's such, there's such, it's such complex, deep conversations around these two transitions. Thank you so much. It's so important that we that we have these conversations. I really appreciate this. This is space and the fact that you're sharing your wisdom about this. It's precisely we are needing more more wisdom and empower women to bring this clarity to the world so thank you you're welcome